Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, and I'll be reading from chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. My brothers and sisters and dear friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me for a moment? Gracious, holy, loving, and almighty God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. And now, O Lord, be with us in our spirits, we pray. And Lord, that your will would be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, O Lord but your holy and perfect will. And we ask these things in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with you, almighty God, our Father, and God, the Holy Spirit, one God, true God, our God, now and forever. Amen. Well, anyone who knows me just a little bit knows that I love the fall of the year. Well, one reason is I'm not a huge fan of hot weather. Um, not, I look forward to the summer activities, uh, swimming and vacation Bible school, things like that, but not hot weather. I like spring. Spring is okay, except for all the pollen. But I love fall for the cool weather. But if you know me at all, you know that I love football. I don't just like football. I love football. You know, I kind of get a little sad after the Super Bowl. What? No more football? No more college football? No more NFL? And sometimes I'll just turn it on to have some noise in the house. You know, football is strangely comforting to me. That says something. But I like football. And I learned from an early age. My dad was a huge Ole Miss fan. I didn't go to Ole Miss, and that broke his heart. Uh, but I still would go to the games. Daddy loved football. Mother just ignored it or murmured under her breath. And then I joined the band in the sixth grade, played the flute, and played the flute all the way through high school, all the way through college, was in the marching band all the way from seventh grade until my senior year of college, had friends on the football team in high school and college. And again, my dad loved football. I said, you know what? 
if I can't beat it, I might as well join it. And I love football, and thankfully, the Lord sent me a spouse who loves football as much as I do, so that is our Saturdays, um, if Ohio State is playing, or USM, to the top, um, is playing, or anyone else, really, if, if I'm honest. But I love football, really enjoy it, but, and I have an appreciation, having friends who've played football, of the preparation those guys do, and the coaches do. First of all, you've got to know who your enemy is, or who your opponent is. I think that's very important. Know what their schemes are. Every team is different. Every team has a different strategy. Every team has its strengths, its vulnerabilities, and every team is going to have some trick plays. Every coach lives for the day when he can pull out those trick plays. So it's important to know who your enemy is, who your opponent is, and what their trick plays are, what their playbook is. It's also important to have the right uniform. Can you imagine a bunch of big, burly guys getting out and ready to play this obviously very physical and sometimes violent sport in a tutu? I mean, picture that. Yeah, that's kind of an amusing image. They're going to get clobbered. So you've got to have the right equipment. And all of it does no good to have everything in the right shoes, those expensive shoes, and, oh yeah, there's the helmet. Uh-oh. That doesn't do one much good at all. So preparation, planning, know who your enemy is, know who you're up against, have a game plan, practice, practice, practice. The football players did two-a-days. On the drill team, we did two-a-days, but the football players did two-a-days, and they were not easy. And wear the right uniform. Well, today in the first chapter of Ephesians, we'll go back just a little bit. The writer of Ephesians, most think Paul, some know, but we won't debate that today, seems to portray the present as a time of blessing in 2, 14 through 17, a time of peace. And he references unity in chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. And the writer, of course, is referring to the church. But what about the conflict and the strife that Paul addresses in other letters? You know, the division in 1 Corinthians 1, 11 through 12. If you've been uh, in Bible study with Andy on Wednesday nights, y'all been talking about 1 Corinthians, and what a mess. I mean, those Corinthians, aren't you glad we're not like them? Uh, what, what a mess. There was division, there was strife. Arguments in Romans 14, 1 through 6. Heresy in Galatians. You remember that line, Paul saying, oh, you foolish Galatians. Heated and unpleasant discussions in Galatians, again, those messy, those foolish Galatians. The gossiping, backbiting, or the mess, as we like to say, of which Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians 12, 20, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. So there was a lot going on. Yes, there was some peace, but there is strife, there's conflict. Well, actually, it's more than a conflict. It's more than just a little skirmish or a disagreement or misunderstanding. It's all out war. To say that Paul was describing just a little small conflict or a little misunderstanding or 
something of the sort is like saying the tornado that tore through and ravaged our dear friends in the Delta was just a little bit of wind. Or that Hurricane Katrina was just one of those little storms we get sometimes in the summer. So the writer of Ephesians insists that a war, a full-out, full-fledged war, is raging. And it's one in which the church is fighting against cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Y'all know I'm a word nerd, so I've got to throw in a vocabulary word. The word exousia, cosmic powers, is the actual uh, translation. Cosmic powers, again, is the transliterated English phrase from the Greek exousia. And that means literally authority. It's used 102 times in the New Testament to describe dominion, prerogative, the right to control, and permission to rule. You see, the spiritual beings that are described in today's lesson were just as real to the original readers of Ephesians as human beings were real to them although they present themselves, of course, in different forms, spiritual rather than physical beings. And my friends, those spiritual beings are with us today. Whether we want to acknowledge them or not, they're very real. Again, as Andy says, we don't want to give them too much credit. You know, we know who wins in the end, and God is much more power. The devil has limited power, that the devil is not the evil the equal to God? Of course not. But we need to be ready. Remember, know who you're up against. And their job is to destroy us, to destroy the church, anything that God has built. It's easy to forget who the enemy really is. And it's dangerous to become complacent and forget that we are battling supernatural principalities and forces of darkness and minions of the devil. Human beings are not the enemy. Sometimes we want to look at each other or look at others who don't think like we do, who don't look like we do, or maybe they ain't from here. Pardon the, the grammar, but as we've said, they ain't from here. They're different. They're not the enemy. We're not each other's enemies. That's a trick. That's one of those trick plays, and if we're not careful, we're going to fall for it every single time. You know, we do understand it sometimes, and we acknowledge that we're fighting the forces of evil, but if you're like me, you know, when you get mad and that energy's all built up, we're going to fight it ourselves. And think about how ridiculous that must look to God and how frustrated God must be. I've just given them everything. I've given them the playbook, the tools, and they want to fight it in their strength. We would be more successful trying to fight a wildfire with a garden hose or drain the Ross Barnett Reservoir with a teaspoon than we would be to fight evil forces in our own strength. So no wonder we get discouraged. No wonder we feel defeated. No wonder, unfortunately, some crumble in despair and say, ah, forget it. I'm done. And relationships are broken. We forget who we're fighting against 
or even if we do remember, we try to fight it in our own strength. And if we do, we are doomed to fail. Throughout the gospel accounts, the word exousia, again, is used again, authority, and it's used to emphasize Jesus's authority and to declare his ultimate power and authority overall. It is Christ Jesus who defeated the cosmic power of evil. It is Christ Jesus, true light, from true light, the light of the world, who overcame and overcomes through us today the spiritual forces of darkness with his death and his resurrection. Andy pointed out a couple of weeks ago, and I'll point out again, that the two candles on our altar symbolize the dual nature of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ never stopped being God when he came to earth. Always was, is, always will be God. In the flesh, Jesus was also fully human, 100% God, 100% human. Now, you math folks, that might mess with your mind. And there have been volumes written on that. Nobody still fully gets it, and that's okay. But Jesus fought everything we fought. And he's our advocate, and he's God. So today's lesson is a sobering reminder that we're still engaged in spiritual warfare. Yes, friends, we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And just as it is ridiculous to try, try and fight a wildfire with a garden hose or drain the reservoir with a teaspoon, it's foolish to think we can do this by ourselves. We have to equip ourselves. Again, recognize the enemy and be strong in the Lord. Not be strong in ourselves. A spirit may be willing, but oh, this flesh <laughs> is something else. This flesh is weak. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not ours. God's might and power. And take up or accept the whole, the full armor of God. Remember, it doesn't do a football player any good. He's got the nice shoes and the pads and the knee pads and the uniform. It's all nice with the new in style colors and there's no helmet. The full armor of God for defense, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes, the readiness given by God's gospel of peace, the shield of faith. Well, how else can we expect to deflect those fiery darts that are hurled at us in times of adversity? And if you think about these tools. These are defensive tools. You've heard the saying in football, maybe other sports, that the best offense is a what? Good defense. Doesn't matter how many points you can score. I mean, you can run that ball down the field, throw it down the field, kick field goals uh, from midfield or beyond. But if the enemy <laughs> scores more, that's a problem. Too often, we get busy and we want to do everything and Three times it said in that passage, stand, withstand, stand firm. We've got this defensive armor. But when we do need an offensive weapon, the word of God, how did Jesus defeat the devil? He said, it is written. So study scripture, dig in, memorize scripture. Yeah, it's a little bit harder when you get older, but you can do it. Again, rely on the Lord, and the Spirit will bring those scriptures to you in times of adversity where you can say, it's written, 
But you know, the devil knows the Bible too and tried to get cute and trick Jesus. And Jesus said, no, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to foolish tests. You know, get out of here. Know your scriptures. Read them, study them, talk about them, commit them to memory. And pray. Pray. Pray all the time. Pray, as Paul says in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Pray when you leave this place today. Pray now. Pray when you get up in the morning, in the shower. Pray when you go to bed. Pray when you're in traffic. Yeah, I pray extra then. Uh, Pray all the time in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. We're having a prayer vigil, Holy Week. That's one of the beautiful ministries of this church is a beautiful prayer ministry. We take prayer seriously uh, here, as we all should. So I encourage you, if you've not signed up for the prayer vigil, the 24-hour vigil, uh, there are opportunities to do so. Uh, If you miss that, again, call me, uh, text me, but pray all the time. And stick together. I love Sherry Beth's illustration and pointing that out. Stick together, the shield of faith. We're not called a faith community for nothing. We can't do this alone. So know your enemy. Know who he is. And he isn't real sophisticated. He has the same tricks. Don't fall for it. Study the game plan, scripture. Put on the full armor of God. Don't forget that helmet. And pray. And stick together. And remember, in the end, God wins, so we win. Would you bow with me?